Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to episode 6 of The Story Studio with your hosts, Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast for an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. It's a show for filmmakers, writers, comic book makers, crowdfunders, entrepreneurs, creators, and anyone looking to tell stories in the modern world. My name is Luke Condor, and I'm joined by Daniel Wilcox. How's it going, dude? Are you all right? Yeah, good. I always feel cheesy saying my own name. I don't know why. You wish I was... have to get used to it. I always feel cheesy saying my own name. Well, just generally in life. Like, yeah, if anyone's like, who are you? It's Daniel Wilcox. We don't have to say it like that, though, do you? Uh, yeah, it just seems to come out that way. It's Daniel Wilcox. <laughs> come on down. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? How's the writing going and everything? Uh, yeah, it's going well. It's been um, a bit of a slower week than the previous weeks, but I, to be fair, I think we're about halfway through the book, so that lull is a bit to be expected. We are... So I think the last time we spoke about this on the podcast was... We were on about 10k, I think. So we're now, we've now, well, I guess you're on about 45k. I'm on about 43k, 42k or something like that. Yeah, yeah, just above, but about that. Yeah. Yeah, we're going pretty well, I think. Yeah, yours going well? I think so, yeah. So I'm still in that transition period from the middle of the book to, to sort of building into the what's going to be the crescendo towards the end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest parts to do is make sure that by the end of it, it's a satisfying ending that kind of rounds everything up and ties everything nicely together. Because yeah. obviously it's the first of a series, so there will be a few unanswered yeah. things. But just, yeah, just want to make sure that I'm in the same situation. I want to make sure that that ending is good. And I mean, we did, we spoke about this earlier this week, just because our stories have taken a bit of a different turn and need a bit of a, just a bit of a brainstorm, wasn't it? Just to tidy up a bit. It's funny that the we both had issues around the same sort of part of the book. Do you know what I mean? So we both, I think we both stuck fairly to the beats up till about, um, I'd say 60, 70% away to through. And then we, we both realized that something has to change at the end there. It's not quite right. So you only really know how the book's supposed to end once you're starting to write the book. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a nice lesson, I guess, that it seems to take some of its own direction. I mean, like you say, it's stuck quite closely to the original beats, but I think in the original planning, we might have been a bit too ambitious with stuff. Yeah. Um. So it's about bringing it down to, to base level and just using what we've got. And I think that, to be fair, I feel like the ending that was planned was going to be quite dramatic and action-packed for um my book Lazarus but 
I think now it's kind of dialed back a lot and it's gone completely the other way. It's going to be a bit more of a, uh, I don't know, a bit more of a, a heart-tugging yeah. ending if I do it right. But I'm very, very happy with the direction that it's gone. But it is completely cool. different to what we planned. And I think that's something that does just happen in that process. Yeah. And also that um, that leaves more room for, like, you know, stuff we can do in other books, book two or three, further down the line. Yeah, um, yeah it's not wasted stuff. It will be, it'll come back. It's just part of that bigger picture. How have you been finding doing like the general word counts, like getting down every single day? Yeah, I've um, been fairly consistent up until uh, this week in which, I mean, I had a chest infection last week, which meant that I was at, at home all week from work. So I tried to stick in as many words as I could then and I managed to do all right with it. Mm. But I think this week, what with coming out of that and being back in work meant that it's felt harder this week um so i have had a couple of days this week where i've done 400 500 um yeah but, but you take what you can don't you? It's, it happens i've been the same i've just moved house so it's it, i don't i didn't I, I keep setting out to do more words but then it just seems to be there's not enough time in the day at the minute like when i get home and it's like moving stuff to do like we're still cleaning up the house because it wasn't quite tidy <laughs> um <laughs> In terms of just like um, loads of fixtures aren't working, aren't working and stuff like that. So we have to get in touch with the landlords, get them to come around and sort it, sort it all out. So it's been a bit hectic, but yeah. soon it will be a place where you can come and chill. We could do a little right jam. That'd be exciting. I'd be well up for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The general, the funny thing about the whole word count thing is though. So when we originally planned it, we we picked how long we wanted the books to be. We picked or used that to guide how long we wanted to take to do it, how many words to aim for a day that would be realistic. Mm. And we both, our target is 1,500 words a day, which yeah. to be to be fair, isn't too bad. And I've actually been sticking to a personal target of 2,000 words a day. And I'm now finding that if I don't hit 1500 or if i get 1500 for me that's a failure because that's not the 2000 that i'm usually doing but i'm still yeah. on target for the overall deadline and it's yeah you set like a precedent when you start hitting a certain number every day and then anything lower than that becomes like a failure or a weak day yeah yeah, yeah. i think i've hit a couple of days where i've hit 4000 and now i'm constantly hunging hunging hungering hunging style. Yeah. hunging I'm yeah. constantly striving to get that, but yeah. obviously that's double what I'm expected to do. So, yeah. By the way, yeah. um, last week's episode, the Frizon Comics one. Yeah. Um, that's it's really cool to do interviews on the show. It's quite nice to get people in. Um, oh, 100. They were lovely as well. Yeah, it's also really cool to do it here because when I, in my old podcast, I used to do, do the interviews just in my bedroom, and I remember <laughs> once getting a like an offer. Uh, Robert Kelsey on us. I, I was interviewing him over Skype, and I remember halfway through the interview, we just like got it all scheduled. Halfway through, we started hearing like a banging noise, and it it turned it, the podcast turned out okay. But you can hear the banging. We found out like <laughs> my housemate was like tenderizing meat. Just at that moment, <laughs> <laughs> just decided to get the mallet out and went crazy on some beef or something. See straight away, you hear banging, you think you know hammer and nail, but no, who, tend who tenderizes meat anymore I've, I've <laughs> no. never tenderized meat in my I don't life. know anyone who does it apart from that that person didn't even do it very often they just did it just then <laughs> just that one it's minute like, I, know, I think Luke's doing a podcast interview let's get the meat out <laughs> has he got a proper tenderizing hammer uh, is it like a bolt in? 
I don't know. It had like lots of little pins in it, so I guess it is a tenderizer hammer. Yeah. But the little points. <laughs> I had on um, the tips episode on one of the story studios. I'm going I'm to have people listening out to this now, but I think it was the first one that I did. It was the first one, which was um, when can you start calling yourself a writer? Mm. And if you listen very carefully in the first minute or so, there's a dog barked just once in the background. And it happened to be the one week that I was looking after um, a dog for my nan. And it was in the other room and it had been quiet for half an hour to an hour. And the minute I was like, welcome to the story. <laughs> they know, they know, man. They know. But I, um, I, I, I recorded it too many times to want to do it again. So Yeah, it sounds good though. It turned out well. Yeah. Um, I hope people are enjoying those because I, I think they're pretty helpful. Um, yeah, cool. Today's show, we were going to talk about as um, like plot versus, wait, so let see if I can reword this. Uh, so character versus story-driven plots. Does that sound about right? That's perfect, yeah. Cool. But before then, uh, we need to do the big whoops for the week. Uh, what a big whoop. I don't know whose turn it is. Do you want to go first? Have you got one? Uh, I can go first, yeah. Um, I think my my big whoop is uh, a bit of a personal one, and it comes back to, to those word counts. Mm. Um, just purely for... I mean, we spoke about habit in one of the episodes that we've done recently and about building that up and um a personal best i guess is just the kind of writing streak that i've been going with and the averaging that i've been getting which a couple of months ago i wouldn't have thought possible mm. so when i was writing um the draft for a clockwork rose i was finding it you know really fulfilling just getting a thousand words a day and tipping that but I've now gotten into that that habit, that pattern where the more I'm writing, the more words I'm getting quicker, yeah. and the easier it is to hit that those numbers. And like I say, I'm averaging about two thousand words a day now. Um, and I think, touch wood, with any luck, that this month will be the first month that I hit that fifty k in a month. The NaNoWriMo. The NaNoWriMo limit. Camp. So yeah. when it comes around to NaNoWriMo, I'll be ready to smash that. I think, but I have tried a couple of times since I've started writing to do that 50k in a month hmm. and just fell short it's either been sort of around 38 40k yeah um but like like we say we started writing our books on the 9th I want to say the 9th of August um I'm on 46 and a half k and we've still got you know a week left until the yeah. 9th of September so that's my that's my whoop a bit of a, a personal best bit that's of a cool, man. selfish one no, it's good. It's we were talking earlier. It, it so I've been doing some running. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the whole writing thing and word counts and getting words down on a page is to me. I realised how similar it is to running. So when I first started, I could only run like a single mile, and it would take me twenty minutes. Now I can do twice that in in the same amount of time, and I don't feel as as drained from it. Um, it's so similar to running, um, except. I guess more creative, but you can be creative running. <laughs> just skips. just wobble about and wave your arms. You're yeah. fine. A couple of skips in there every now and again. Yeah. Interpretive running. Yeah, I guess my big whoop is um, the article I sent to you today, the the Dean Wesley Smith one. Just what was really interesting. I thing is, I love short stories, and when someone puts together some sort of tactic or strategy for making a living with short fiction, it it hits a note with me. So Dean Wesley Smith's He's a long-time writer. I think he's done a lot, like, pretty more than 100 novels. He's, he's got a blog that he writes every single day, he blogs. 
He did a blog post the other day called uh, Making a Living with Short Fiction. And it's just a really cool post where he just goes into depth of um, the economics and the math of if you want to make make a living from writing short fiction, how it would break down. Um, and then he so, so he basically says, if you write a short story, if you write a thousand words a day, eventually, by the end of the year, you'll have roughly, given a couple of weeks off, you'd have 55,000 word short stories. Um, and I kind of think... That's taking through weekends it. off as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. That, make, yeah, that sounds right, yeah. Um, and he said, so you make the income through various sources, he breaks it all down um, from self-publishing on Kindle and selling to short fiction magazines. I've never had any luck with that, really. I didn't really try very hard, to be fair. But... Um, <laughs> I, it makes you think, if I was to start again as a writer, I think I would just spend the first year writing and publishing a short story every single week. So so in the weekdays, Monday to Friday, I'd do 5,000 words. Um, and then the Saturday, I'd edit it and make a cover. And the Sunday, I'd publish. And i just keep doing it. Um, and you, you probably won't make a full-time income from it, but I'm sure you make a bit on the side. And you're going to learn so much from doing it. Yeah, it's a great way to, to hone your craft. I mean, I've tried a couple of times submitting short stories to magazines and that, but I think I suffer from that. I, I hate rejection. And it's not even rejection with a lot of the magazines because you don't even hear back. Yeah. It's just, it's just like being ignored. But it, it was interesting seeing the breakdown and seeing how much work and how long it would take to make a reasonable income. And I think. If I remember rightly, it was the way that he broke it down. It came to after three years of working on it, you'd sort of be averaging about sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like Along a basic, basic income. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, if people are interested in or seriously um, wanting to write short stories and go mm. down that route, it's it's not a bad path to follow. It's just knowing that you have to put in that work, and I think that's what scares a lot of people. Yeah, I think one of the points in the post. Uh, is about work ethic and you're saying you have to con- consistently and constantly write and publish. And I kind of feel like that's what we're doing. Maybe not short stories uh, specifically, but mm. we're doing a bit of a mix of everything. Um, but we're doing more than a thousand words a day, generally. Yeah. Well, if you think of the other stories as well, that's, you know, a short story, at least one a month from each writer. So, yeah. We're definitely, yeah, it's bringing that stuff out. And I think, yeah, one of the um, little notes in that which struck a chord with me and also um, I was listening to the self-publishing podcast guys today, one of their old episodes, Um, and (laughs) Johnny B. Truant says exactly the same in that, which is the whole, don't tell me you have no time. I don't want to hear excuses. Either you want to do it or you don't. Yeah. And I love that note of, because I mean, I was the same when I started writing. It was always, how am I going to find half an hour to write per day and yeah it does feel like a big hurdle until you get to the point that you start doing it and i guess it depends how much you want it because i used to love gaming i used to love watching tv and i still do but now it's a case of which takes priority and for me now that's writing so yeah yeah you, the excuses are just invalid if if it's something you're actually after it's the same with saving money <laughs> so <laughs> The basic, um, I don't want to get too much into like economics and finance and stuff, but <laughs> the basic gist of saving money is you're supposed to save 10% of your income every month. That's like, that's the best, most basic advice that everyone says. 10% of your income every month. 
Now he's now they say put that aside first, and then then work your expenses out and your free money and your spending money out from what's left. So I kind of feel like with writing, I'm going to set myself aside the writing time first, and then we're going to spend the rest of the time divvying that into free time to watch films and read and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's the same. And I kind of, it, it is almost like a transaction. If I get to a point where, say, for example, last week where I was ill, yeah. where I thought I would have to, you know, lie in and give my body that time to rest, mm. that meant that lunchtime or in the evening after my son's gone to bed, just giving that extra half an hour because you're trading that for the rest. And it's that kind yeah. of balancing things out. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're on the right path. And I think th- there is no excuses for time. I I mean, you've got it. I think you've got it worse than me. Not worse, but like, because you've got a kid. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah, demanding. But... Yeah. We've, yeah. Got a, we've got a cat. He can be quite demanding. You have two cats. We have one. I know, you, yeah. You have two. <laughs> I, have a, I have a female human called Cat and a, and a feline cat called Oscar. Yeah. yeah. And it is also... Um, Again, along that sort of strain, I did see um, a picture go up on Facebook earlier from one of my friends, which I've seen go around a lot, but it's so poignant, which is, um, don't tell me you don't have time to send a text. It takes three seconds. <laughs> and yeah. so your friends will make time for who they want to make time for. So, And it's right. If, if you get a text through, and I, I've done it before. I know that I have where I've been like, oh, I can't be bothered to answer that right now. When it would just take five seconds, it'll be done. Yeah. So, yeah. No excuses, I think, is the bottom line. Yeah, sort of our priorities. Um, mm. Okay, so if, so we get onto our main meal, yeah, main course for the for day. Go for um, our uh, meaty meal. Okay, so so I'm still working out. My, I think my thoughts on on and theories on the idea of st- uh, story driven plots or character driven plots. So why don't you go first and sort of give us your basic idea of what what you believe is best or or yeah. your understanding of it? Yeah. Okay. So. In stories, no matter what sort of category you're going through, whether it's comics, film, interpretive dance, whatever you're doing, um, personally, I find that it comes a lot, the overarching themes tend to come down a lot to either the set of characters that are in a particular situation hmm. or the situation in which they're in as, as the main highlights for a story. Um, so, I mean, a couple of just small examples, uh, and people might disagree with this. People might see it as the other way around in the story. It's how I interpret it. Um, but things like The Lord of the Rings, for me, is a very plot-driven story. Right, It's okay. about a group of characters that, I mean, put aside all the um, appendices of, you know, the history and that, but the main story of The Lord of the Rings is the characters, their journey from one end to the other to destroy the One Ring. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that is a long fantasy tale about the plot itself. There are characters in it, and obviously you do become attached to certain characters, but in my eyes, the main pull that gets you through is you wanting to see that ring get destroyed. Yeah. Whereas things like uh, Breaking Bad, for example, yeah, is a slow build of Brian Cranston's interpretation of Walter White suffering the things that he's suffering and how he conquers those. Yeah. And you care a lot more about how he deals with stuff rather than where the story's going to go in the long run. Mm. So, I mean, when I finished Fellowship of the Ring, I remember thinking, I want to know what happens, what lands they reach, and how the the ring thing resolves itself. I wasn't bothered about 
Frodo in that much depth. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then Breaking Bad, it was a lot more like, I don't care what happens. I just want to see how he deals with shit. So it's interesting. So Breaking Bad is totally a character in story. Do you think when the writers sat down to write that or plot out the story, do you think they went, Walter White, what does he want? And what's what's what would he do in this situation? And then they'd, they'd written out the plot from that, mapped out the plot from there. Um, as opposed yeah. as opposed to Lord of the Rings, I guess, where he said, this needs to happen, so we're going to create a character for that to happen too. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, and I mean, from the stuff that I've read about Breaking Bad, they didn't know which direction it was headed. Yeah. So I don't think when they set out that they did have all the ends tied up, they sort of started with season one. I mean, they even admitted that Jesse Pinkman was going to be killed off at the end of season one. Yeah, I saw that. Until he became such an essential character to the story that they they had to keep him because he he was a central point around the whole thing. Yeah, and it sort of wrapped up pretty neatly in the end. Like, to to me anyway, I thought it was a great ending. Um, Yeah, I I thought it was fantastic ending. I think... With anything, there are always things that I would have changed slightly, but in terms of wrapping up what they had built, I thought they did a fantastic job. Yeah. So when I think about uh, character-driven plots or story-driven plots, plots, I, I think of the word, um, the term character agency. Have you heard of that term? Do you... I've heard of it. I don't think I'm all that familiar with it. So the way I understand it is, um, is when the character's motivations push the plot forward. So instead of so through their their choices like their error in judgment so walter white's error in judgment in terms of i'm going to make meth <laughs> to make some money and the way he hides the the meth and the, the people he deals with um all of that happens because of his he's driving the plot forward basically instead of the plot yeah. instead of some something needing to happen and, and they've gone like okay oscar will have to uh walter will have to <laughs> We'll have to do this thing to make that plot ha- that point happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, the what they show is how his choices affect the other characters. They don't. I mean, they have side stories with you know Walt Junior, but they're not. They're not pivotal. They're not yeah. primary. So it is more a case of it's he steers the ship. Yeah. As opposed to it being, I don't know, like God's doing an overview on what's happening. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a bad example. I can think of one, which is, it's the Netflix TV show, and it was about vampires and werewolves and stuff. Um, um, and it was produced by Eli Roth. I think he maybe directed the first episode or something. Uh, vampire Diaries? N- no, no. Um, we'll find out. But I remember points yeah. in that where two characters were going after this one girl um and then they met up they had a scrap and then he suddenly stopped scrapping and said oh what were we fighting for and, it, and the other one laughed and said i don't know and then he went on to the next plot point and i was like <laughs> wow that's that's the plot driving the the car there like it's not the 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Characters driving a story at all. They it made that. no sense, yeah. Mm. I'm trying to think of a good balance. I think Shaun of the Dead is a great example of a character-driven story. So in a sense of, it all starts from his flaws. So there's a what-if situa- situation. What if a zombie infestation happened? But the, the main story is, is about this man-child who can't grow up. And... um we start the story before the zombie infestation. We realize he can't, he doesn't know how to lead or manage his team at work. He, um, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't tell off his best mate, Ed, like for, for being lazy and smoking weed and stuff. Um, and he, he's living the same life over and over again. So he's stuck in this like man child life. And it's almost like, what if this guy who has all these flaws, if we put him in a zombie infestation, would he evolve? And then from there, it's pretty much all of it is just his choices. Like he is pushing the story forward every single time. Um, and sure, there's like coincidences happen. There's like um, at the end where the escape uh, from the Winchester pub, his um, Jessica Stevenson, I can't remember her character's name, but she suddenly turns up with the, with the military and they sort of save them. But I still think it's mainly about Sean and how he evolves as a character. And yeah. um it's almost like it's almost asking the question. It's almost like the whole film is asking the question: If this happened, would this fix him? And the, the answer is, or the hypothesis is, answered yes. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, you could argue that the uh, that is a very very good balance. You could argue that because it's seen from primarily his perspective, and he is the central person. Yeah, that that might be why that's a good balance because you do have that what if that overarching um story where people are turning it's going to happen anyway that people are somehow going to get involved yeah um and then stories that seem to jump around from perspective to perspective so again jumping back to lord of the rings or even jumping to things like um no that'll be a bad example i'll just use lord of the rings for now um game of thrones maybe as well i think is a big yeah. joints from POV to POV all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that could be to give you more of that overarching flesh to make the plot drive on more. Mm. I mean, Game of Thrones, I'd personally argue, is more character-driven. Mm. And I think that plot-driven stories, um, and I may argue the case if, if you don't agree, but I think the plot-driven stories used to be one of the bigger things in stories. It used to be primarily plot-driven stuff. The older stuff used to be more about let's get these characters from here to here. We'll create their journeys afterwards. But this overarching idea yeah. is what we're going for. Whereas now, and I think primarily because 
filming has come so far and because shows are so sophisticated and well written now i think they start with the characters or they get the situation and think which characters would convey the best to the audience and you know make them likable make them want to keep watching yeah. i mean personally i feel like i invest much more if i'm more interested in the character yeah and then the situation is an afterthought for me yeah so yeah we definitely like i think we definitely emphasize and fall in love more with with the main characters of the story and if we don't if we don't enjoy that character then we don't tend to enjoy the story does that make sense yeah. so with Shaun of the dead i always go back to it just because me and cat watched it it was the first time she watched it and it was used to be one of my favorite films growing up Fantastic. um yeah it's just such a good story and i feel like when you've got that one character and you he's got these big flaws you can emphasize with him empathize and um it just it puts you in the story a bit more it may and you sort of it's almost like you're living through him and it's a metaphorical lesson for yourself so maybe mm. maybe that's why it resonates with people yeah and yeah i think you're right the having one main character it does make it a lot easier to connect because you don't have to worry about if you've got three or four characters you're always going to subconsciously go who do i like more who do i connect with personally yeah um, and an interesting fact, actually, I found out the other day that um, a girl that I work with won't read a book unless it's in first person because she likes to sit in the driving seat and experience that character. Yeah. She doesn't like to be told the story. And obviously, um, first person, it's a lot of I, it's a lot of from behind the eyes of yeah. whoever you're, you're doing. So Hunger Games is a fantastic example. And and she's right. You go through Hunger Games and you're reading it and you're learning all about her inner conflicts. You're learning all about how she feels in certain situations. Yeah. And small parts of um small parts of that I think resonate more strongly if you are sitting behind that sometimes don't translate to if you're not. So that sounds a bit jumbled, but to clarify, there's a particular part in the Hunger Games where and I'm not gonna try and spoil it, where a cat have you seen it? Uh well I've seen the I've seen the first three films, I think. It was a four or yeah. two. It was in the yeah. first three, yeah. So it's in the second second one. A character who's quite close to her dies. Um, oh, I don't want to say much more in case I ruin it. But when I read that in the book, that was first person. That was as he was dying. It explained all of her inner turmoil, everything. And I felt so, so sorry for this girl. Yeah. And then in the film, which obviously you can't, quite get behind the lens in the same way yeah it was it was a snap moment over in a second and i didn't have that connection so yeah i think the more you can get behind the lens of someone the more you can put yourself in that position the more character driven it can be (laughs) it's a strange one i mean it definitely seems to first person definitely seems to add to that feeling of of the internal drama of the Mm. character i think it's more difficult to write (laughs) Is why is that? You're more limited, yeah. aren't you? So third person, you are able to say this character's walking into a bar, by the way, on the street two blocks down is a guy with a gun. Mm. Whereas in first person, you say, I walked into a bar. Yeah, you and can't you, you can't really have dramatic irony then with, with first person. Or you yeah. could, but it's very difficult. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I mean you can. I've seen I've seen it done where you have um a story told first person and then 
between chapters occasionally there will be third person parts um right but it does personally for me it feels a lot more forced it feels less organic mm. um and it's one of the, it's one of the things i consciously try and think of i mean i love writing in first person and Sin- sins of smoke was written in first person um because i guess i wanted to be a cowboy for a couple of hours <laughs> um but yeah you, you you do miss out on a lot of that and i think now i'm always tempted to write first person but i go third person to give myself more options yeah i think i think you put yeah you are, i mean i don't mind writing um short stories in first person and maybe i will write a couple of novels at some point in first person but i don't think i'm good enough yet <laughs> does that make yeah, sense i think it takes practice it does yeah I feel like I might be able to get... I think I did write... I have got a novella that's in first person. Um, but that that was completely character-driven. But for a novel, for what we're doing anyway with Project Dan, we're writing commercial fiction. I suppose it is going to be a bit more plot-driven anyway. Yeah, I was going to actually ask that. How do you view when you started approaching... Um, oh, I've already forgot. The, um, what are we calling it now? It's either going to be... Because it kind of twisted names a bit, didn't it? Yeah, it's either going to be... Working titles, guys. Yeah. It's either going to be They Remain or They Rot. Yeah. Um, How did you approach that in terms of... I mean, it might not have been a conscious thing, but thinking about it now. So I definitely came at it from a plot place. A place of plot. A plot place at first. (laughs) Um, So it was very much... A post-apocalypse. We need a post-apocalypse story with some style of zombie creatures. They're not zombies, but that sort of thing. Um, and then I try to create the character and and give him his flaw. I I always need to start with a, a proper character flaw. Give him the flaw as soon as possible, which is where our main character loses. I'm not gonna. It's only the first part, so I'm not gonna spoil too much here. But basically, he loses his family straight away, um, and it's his own fault. So then I'm hoping that the story and the plot will line up enough to to so towards the end of the, the seven books or the trilogy or the 20 books or whatever it ends up being, who knows, that it will... What's the word for 50 books? <laughs> <laughs> Too many books, that's what it's called. Um, I'm hoping that by the end of the overarching overarching story it will conclude his guilt or like conclude his inner story do you know what i mean so all the plot stuff can happen that's fine and we can add as much plot as we want to because there's a lot of characters in the story anyway but at the end it's going to be an internal character driven ending i believe anyway yeah because you're it, it's a lot you were saying the other day it's a lot more from his pov more than anyone else's yeah oh definitely yeah yeah so do you get quite inside of his head is that a conscious thing or is it more let's get the action let's get the story moving um it's it's probably more action than anything i mean there are there are hints of his past and, and former life and stuff but again it's it's a commercial <laughs> it's a commercial novel so it's going to be full of action and full of mm. Um, fighting and and killing and maiming and, and that sort of <laughs> thing, um, but because it's his story is going to be longer as well, and trying not to give too much away of him straight away, because mm. it's going to be going over the entire series. So there's other characters in there which I can give 
smaller internal stories that can get that can be concluded within within a single novel or within however long they're going to be there for does that make sense yeah what about you so how did you go about it with your story yeah again i think um with with planning it's always that what if situation it's always coming up with that arc that's going to pull it all along that that conflict what what's going to be the theme that runs through um so i think in the early planning stages plot was definitely a factor yeah uh when it comes to actually writing i definitely feel like i'm a character person yeah because i I can't help it i have to kind of i've gotten into the habit of sometimes going in too deep into stuff and into the really boring details so i'm actually in that trying to work into pulling back a bit but i like to have it so that if someone's reading the chapter, they're able to identify very quickly with the character and form some kind of bond. Mm, um, yeah. Because I don't like the idea of passive characters. And I know that in a lot of books, they're, they're an essential part. You'll have, I've read books where a character's in it for a couple of pages. Yeah. And for me, that really, if I was writing that, I can't let go of that person because I'm like, yeah. let's put this person in. Oh, they can add X, Y, Z to the story. Have you um, have you found that that when you started to write a specific character, so that maybe they didn't they weren't going to play a big part at all, like Jesse, Jesse Pinkman? Have you had a Jesse yeah. Pinkman in your story when you've started to write write him and gone, oh okay, there's actually something here, there's a, a thread that I can pull. I've <sighs> let me just think. I'm trying. I'm thinking back to Clockwork. I have one, but it's unexpected, and it's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, we're going to have a certain animal in it, but then yes. we, we scrapped him because something else happened. He wasn't I, needed. He wasn't needed. He wasn't needed. We had a different character who who's who's become a Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> there you go. See, I think I've actually had the reverse. Yeah. Well, I've I've kind of gone through the whole process of it. So I've got my one of my main characters is a kid called Kurt Alder, um, and. He is a foster child and originally in the planning, and again, this is early stuff, so it's not going to really take anything out. Um, actually, it might, so I won't go too deep into that. But basically, <laughs> I've just realized, I've just remembered. Um, but okay, so Kurt's a foster child, that's all you need to know. But I've had a character that originally wasn't going to be in it, who I decided the story needs it as a bit of a pull along, as a bit of a emotional tie. Um, yeah. So that there wasn't so much loss. Uh, and when I put him into it, thought he was going to be a lot bigger than he was. And he really hasn't been. And he's kind of come along on this journey and now is faded. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've had the opposite, but I'm, I'm trying to think. But I guess this is the good, I guess this would be the main takeaway that you can start with a really blank character and as you write them you can you can turn it into a more character driven story just in the writing itself and as as you're doing your first draft you can figure out more of it and you can change as you go really yeah and i think really ultimately it's going to be a constant um backwards forwards between whether people prefer to write plot or they prefer to write character because i've read books where the characters have no depth mm. but yeah. the story is fantastic and really, really interesting. But I mean, personally, for me, I think because I like that character, I miss that part. Um, and then you have people like, I, I mean, I'm a Stephen King 
advocate anyway, but yeah. a lot of his books, I think, for me, feel like a, a really good balance because he, he does have that what if situation. So, for example, with Cujo, what if a woman and a child yeah. went to a mechanics out in the middle of nowhere, the people weren't home and there was a rabid dog? Yeah. But as he's writing that, you're so in the characters' heads and he goes so deep into their background and their feelings that yeah. they both kind of complement each other. Yeah, I think I think that's in all honesty, I think that's my favourite approach where you have the what if situation. Um even Breaking Bad is is a what if situation. What if a high school teacher with cancer decided to cook meth? Yeah. Um you can still create a character driven story once you once you've got people in the door. Do you know what I mean? Get them in, tell them you've got cheeseburgers, and then give them a salad. <laughs> <laughs> or something like along it. that. Yeah, along yeah, those yeah. lines. No, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, uh, just as another example or question, how would you view Suicide Squad? Or have you seen it yet? I've not seen it yet, no. Oh, but okay. I've, I've heard bad to mostly bad. <laughs> bad to terrible yeah. reviews, really. See, I'd definitely say that story is character-driven but not in the best way. Is there too many cooks in the kitchen or something? Or what? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we're going to have a whole episode on this at some point. But I feel like that's... Yeah, we are gonna, we're going to have an episode where we talk about the DC film universe's problems. And I think you are on something there. One of the problems is that they've all been plot-driven stories. Like Batman v Superman is... Although it, they have the whole Martha thing, it's kind of like... It's not <laughs> like... It's not real. That doesn't... It doesn't add up in a... For me, anyway, I don't think it's believable. No. It's, it's completely plot-driven. They're more focused on the bigger universe than they are on the actual intricacies of what yeah. are essentially just really dark characters. Yeah. They've almost gone like, right, we need an emotional bit that's going to stop Batman and Superman fighting. And then they've just made this, this like shitty resolution up to it. Just it's, keep it ticking over. It's like, this is completely character-driven when it's not, actually. It's just, it's plot. It's a cheeseburger yeah. hiding in the salad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yep. again, it, it works in some cases, but not not always. Mm. And right. I'm not sure which is harder, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, we'll go into this, we'll go into this more. But I think Marvel do a way better job of, of creating character-driven stories. You with, love their characters. Yeah, you can't, you can't help it. You love the characters. It's character-driven story, but within a comic book universe. Like, I how, think a big gone. I was just gonna say how big and crazy and sci-fi and, and weird can you get and then have character driven stories within that it's yeah you can see you can still do the character driven stories in commercial yeah. worlds i think a big part of the the marvel universe is that the characters they are character driven because the characters feel like they're bouncing off each other they feel organic in their situations whereas yeah, yeah you're right it seems like the interactions between the characters in batman versus superman are purely to drive that plot along. You don't have that sort of banter. You don't have the interaction. But yeah, and the best example of that is in Batman v Superman, where he gets like the disc, and it's got all the other superheroes from the Justice League on it. And just it's like, for the hell of it. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, but we're gonna do a full <laughs> episode. We'll, that down your yeah. yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get Ben on, and we'll have a big conversation about DC film universe, and we'll try to fix it. Yeah, he'll love that. Another example, just before we start <laughs> rounding up. Yeah, Harry Potter plot hmm. character. So I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking massive, about this one earlier. I'm not a massive Harry Potter person, but I'm thinking plots just from my knowledge of the films. And I'm trying to think. I can't really think. I don't think Harry is 
driving the story that much. No, I agree. I think the overarching plot is massively important. And uh, don't get me wrong, J.K. Rowling does a fantastic job, and I'm a massive fan of Harry Potter books um, up until the end of Seven, and then anything after that is wishy-wash. But um, no, you're right. Harry, when you go into it, he's not an interesting character. He's not complex. He has a couple of flaws that drive that plot. Mm. And she creates, you know, seven fantastic books that have sold phenomenally well. So um, I think I think there are pros and cons to both. Yeah. Uh, I think more so nowadays in terms of TV shows and film, you see more character-driven stuff. You see a lot more powerful, memorable characters. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, personally, I like. Yeah, me too. Like even like cartoons like BoJack Horseman. Have you watched mm. BoJack? Um, yeah, I've seen a few episodes of that. So you you think a like a animated comedy? You think The Simpsons, Family Guy, that sort of silly, irreverent humor, but it's completely character driven and it's completely like emotional. <laughs> There's been yeah, a couple yeah. of episodes that have really got me, but um, it's Aww. good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, okay, so we're about there to wrap up, man. I don't know. Have you got any final points you wanted to make? Uh, no, just the same with most of stuff I'm writing, and it kind of um, makes it seem obsolete, really. But you know, we're we're here to help whenever we can. But I don't think, in the long run, it, it doesn't matter too much if you go plot or character. But there's a definite distinction between the two, and I think it's good to identify what you're trying to do, especially if you're doing several books or if you're writing several games or if you're doing comics yeah um just to kind of have a bit of a, an underthought about where yeah it sits on that spectrum i think yeah i think if you go too far either way it's probably gonna be something wrong <laughs> so yeah i think you've got to be somewhere in the middle at least i'd say 60 percent character and 40 percent plot but don't hold me to that yeah yeah no i, I agree and i think that's our preference some mm. people might go the other way uh, yeah. and prefer the plot to the character but I don't know okay um, so next week we have Matthew Stutt on oh, I'm so excited he's I guess he's kind of a friend I mean we talked to him here and there um, he's a horror author and so I guess we're going to be talking about he's also a screenwriter um, I guess we're going to be talking about writing and publishing horror books and, yes. and that sort of thing yeah it's going to be cool um, yeah hopefully speak a bit about his latest book Apocalypse Hill which for anyone that hasn't read it is on Amazon I'm already plugging him but I'm just yeah it'll be cool to talk to him because yeah. um, like you say we've spoken sort of through messages and that but it'll be good to see him face to face yeah man definitely cool okay go to hawkandcleaver.com sign up to the mailing list get a free book in fact I think you're going to get a few free books eventually at some point check out the website because Dan's been working on it and it's had some improvements yeah happy with it cool alright I'll talk to you soon well, we'll see you later guys bye We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip.